You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Saints. I am sitting down today with Dr. Elizabeth Klein. Hello, Dr. Klein. Hello, Taylor. Great to have you here. Today we're talking about a saint that I had never heard of until a few days ago named St. Cuthbert. Uh, so maybe he's new to you as well, but he will not be after this episode. So Dr. Klein, who is uh, St. Cuthbert? So St. Cuthbert, who is a very beloved saint of mine, so I'm very happy you agreed Delightful. to do St. Cuthbert. Uh-huh. Uh, st. Cuthbert was the third bishop of Lindisfarne, and he lived from 634 to 687. So right. he's a kind of early... Uh, Irish, English saint. It's at the very, very northern part of England. Okay. And Lindisfarne, uh, that is a location? Lindisfarne is a location. It's, they called it the Holy Island. It is a tidal, a tidal island off uh, the coast of Northumbria. So it's, okay. again, almost in Scotland. Mm-hmm. A tidal island is an island that is accessible at certain times of day when the tide is low and inaccessible when the tide is high. So at certain Sounds times, like a good place to be. Yeah. So at certain times, <laughs> if you want to be around no one, it's yeah, it's <laughs> cut off. So they so Saint Aidan uh, was sort of sent on mission to the further southern lands, okay. uh, and established Lindisfarne. Okay. Um, so maybe we can talk about Saint Aidan another we could time. We do another one. Stay tuned. Uh, but Saint Cuthbert is the third bishop of Lindisfarne. Uh, which you might think bishop. I thought it was a monastery. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's also a diocese. <laughs> Is it uh, just of the monastery? So, uh, <laughs> Diocese of the monastery. <laughs> no, there are lots of villages around okay. and people living up there. I mean, I'm sure it's not super heavily populated then as today. Uh, it's a but, small diocese boundary. <laughs> but it was, you know, there is precedent, uh, which um, the Venerable Bede mentions in the life of Cuthbert for someone to be both abbot and bishop. Okay. So they're both, which is a big responsibility, are both abbot of the community and also bishop of the surrounding diocese and area. So. Okay. He goes to this monastery... What is he doing? So, yeah, so Cuthbert, he, he's not, there's not a whole lot of information about his early life, um, you know, his, his conversion. I think there's like one little story about his youth. Uh, but essentially, we kind of meet him as he rides up to Lindisfarne to enter the monastery uh, and sort of um, dedicate his life to Christ. And Cuthbert, you know, he, as you said, he's kind of maybe obscure, seems mm-hmm. ob- obscure to you. Uh, but he is uh, the patron of North Umbria, who was a really popular saint in his own time. His mm. holy life was sort of well-renowned all around the area. Um, and actually, three lives were written about him in living memory of him shortly after uh, his death. And the... Uh, the That's early- a lot. Yeah. I is. mean, when we're talking about that period of time, you'll get a life of a saint. We have three of Cuthbert. Three of Cuthbert. And that's so, it's just an interesting thing that so, the saints kind of come in popularity and then fade out of popularity, but we're bringing them back. We're bringing them we're bringing back. Them back. Uh, and one an interesting fact about um, one of the lives is that um, the first life written of him, they think is the oldest thing written in English. Wow. So obscure no more. Obscure uh, no the other more. thing that might make him a little less obscure is that um, the monastery, Lindisfarne, mm-hmm. is probably most famous for the Lindisfarne Gospels, which mm-hmm. you might not recognize by ear, but um, if you Google it, <laughs> you might see some images, for example, of the opening illumination of the Gospel of Matthew that are probably very familiar. It's a very famous illuminated manuscript, and it is thought that um, that gospel might have been commissioned on the anniversary of Cuthbert's death, 
uh, because they exhume Cuthbert to put him in a more sort of prominent place in the church to be venerated, and they find him incorrupt and mm. his vestments incorrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is kind of the end of the story first, but when the dissolution of the monastery happens during the Reformation in the 16th century, uh, Cuthbert's relics are some of the only ones that are not moved. Uh, and so out of hit, respect for him? Well, there's some like kind of legendary stories surrounding it. Like okay. they opened it and found him in corrupt still and were too afraid to move him or but I when would it, be pretty afraid. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously. You would just be like, I'm not touching that. But, but when it when, but when it was <clears throat> reopened later, um, you know, the body was not incorrupt, at okay. least in modernity. Uh, but it has some of the oldest really Christian relics from mm. Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, his coffin is some of the only surviving sort of carved Christian artwork from that period. Uh, there was also a really ancient illuminated manuscript called St. Cuthbert's Gospel that mm. was uh, with him, as well as some old vestments and other, um, you know, like a pectoral cross and okay. some some really cool kind of artifacts that are Cuthbert's afterlife. So thought it would, you know, help raise him out of, obscurity a little bit before we talk about his kind of actual yeah. life story. That's awesome. So we got, we started. We started. He rides up so he rides up to Lindisfarne. He gets there. He gets there. He enters the monastery. He sees some priest who knows him and he's like, "Oh yeah, Cuthbert, this guy's going to be righteous. This is going to be totally awesome." <laughs> uh, so they accept him uh, into the monastery and you know, of course, there's lots of stories of his sort of holy way of life, his fasting, um, lots mm-hmm. of miracle stories. Uh, his preaching, his care for the poor. Uh, and because there's these three lives, there's really so many stories about Cuthbert. Uh, yeah. I can't recount them all, but I thought I would kind of talk about a few things why Cuthbert stuck out to me. Obviously, I, I'm i a patristic scholar, so I spend a lot of time reading Lives of the Saints or whenever I can. I have mm-hmm. a lot of fun rereading this one. Um, but there's just a couple of things that made Cuthbert's lives just kind of really special. And really, I remembered it uh, when we were talking about more saints to do for the podcast. So one of the things I think is really special is the eyewitness character of the lives of Cuthbert. Mm-hmm. So the one that I reread recently um, was Life by the Venerable Bede. And for every single miracle story, he gives his source. Hmm. And so it's just it's just really, I don't know, there's just something about that, like not only learning about the saint, but about all the people that he yeah. affected and how you really get this sense of like all the people who loved the saint. Mm. You know, and so he'll say like, and I got this story straight from this monk who was there that day, or I got this story straight from this nun, or I went and I got it from this priest who lived with the Holy Cuthbert a long time. That's really cool. And he says in the preface of the life that before he published it, he had one of the brothers who was a longtime friend of Cuthbert read the whole thing over and correct, uh, correct and amend things. And so there's just like that, I don't know, it just makes you like that much closer. Yeah. Especially with early saints, you know, sometimes you get a lot of legendary yeah. material or stuff that just doesn't feel as well sourced. You can't know for sure. So just mm-hmm. that like feeling of kind of being there, yeah, like very concrete, kind with of granular. With all of Cuthbert's friends, yeah. and they're telling stories about Talk him. Talk about our, our friend Cuthbert. Yes, exactly. So that's one thing that stuck out to me. Another is that. Uh, being a sanguine myself, it's clear that Cuthbert <laughs> was just like a really popular guy. So yeah. he's described as very pleasant and affable. That's something that Bede says about him. Old right language for beginning. sanguine extrovert. Yes, yes, exactly. So he's he was very likable, apparently. Mm-hmm. And you can tell this, by the way, in all of his stories that he deals with all of these people. So he, you know, he is he's prior for a long time of Lindisfarne and he's a hermit for a bit and then he's the bishop. Um, so he has a lot of dealings with a lot of different people from very poor people all the way up to the queen and the king. Mm. Uh, and you just can tell he's like so patient with everybody from like cranky monks all the way to this like hysterical queen who's like asking who will succeed her mm-hmm. husband after he dies. 
Uh, you know, and he has to deliver the bad news that her like husband's going to be like slain in battle, you yeah. know, because he has a prophetic knowledge of this. And one of my favorite stories in the life about this is that he's he's trying to establish a certain rule of life, um, partially in line with Roman custom at this okay. time. So there's a long history of kind of Celtic um, Christianity and Roman Christianity kind of coming into conflict at this time, because mm -hmm. as we know from sort of St. Patrick, Irish Christianity has a great antiquity already by the mm -hmm. time of Cuthbert. And so when you have kind of the the British and the kind of more Romanized Christianity coming into contact with this even older form, it's like the Romans are like, no, you can't do this and you can't do mm -hmm. that and you have to do this. And like, well, we've been doing this for hundreds of years. Yeah. And so there's a lot of back and forth with that. So Cuthbert is trying to kind of establish a more standardized Benedictine rule among his monks. It's okay. apparently is like not going that well. And mm -hmm. they're like not happy with him. And they're like, well, we never done it that way. And they're like super cranky. Mm -hmm. So it says they would like mm. sit in meetings for long periods of time. And the monks would be like really grumpy with Cuthbert. So he would just be like, all right, well, let's just be done for now. <laughs> and he would just like get up and walk out perfectly happy. And then the next morning he would just tell the same monk to do the exact be same back thing at it. Yeah. As, as if they had never talked about it the, the, fo the following day. And so I just thought that was holy perseverance. Yeah, yeah, I just thought that was such a like delightful story to have some like he they saw like you know his inner peace was not destroyed by this. He just like kept telling him to do the same thing the next day as if they had never talked about it. Yeah, <laughs> giving the guy like a totally fresh chance. I, I like that. something that I've always loved about the saints is how human they are, uh, and I always think about. Um, I believe it's the line in the Hebrews in uh, the letter to the Hebrews where Christ became us like us in all things except sin, uh, which obviously we reflect on that of like he shares our experience, but and we think about that in particular to like our struggles and our sufferings. And um, but I also think about that in the way of like in a mix with Paul's hymn to love, love is patient, love is kind. Um, that the saints are like they're that they're pleasant and affable. They're they have a way of accepting people as they are and not letting it completely throw them off and, and continuing on. And I've always found in like our Christian lives, it's, it's, it's always a struggle. Like you get mad at people and you get, you hold grudges or you don't, you know, we're petty, we're selfish. And there's something about the saints where they just let stuff kind of roll off of them mm -hmm. and they just do it again. And you're like, okay, like you're not bothered by that. And they're like, no, you just, you just keep going. Just but there's something that's Christ-like about that, that he, Love, love is patient, love is kind, it is gentle, does not boast. Like it just, it just kind of keeps going. And yeah, uh, another, Cuthbert. another similar story that stuck out to me is that he's kind of, he's described as being like a good confessor. And mm -hmm. I don't know if this is the earliest example of this because our, our modern yeah. practice of confession comes from the Irish tradition. Oh, I didn't and know so, that. Yeah, it mm. does. So I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not sure exactly on the history and dating, but May, but it, it talks about people confessing their sins very honestly to him, mm -hmm. him knowing if they've held something back, um, which is, you know, it's something, a kind of saintly mark we see yeah. later. But another thing that I thought was very beautiful is that um, he would be so moved by other people's penitence that he would weep for them and with wow. them for their sins and that he would do penance with them. Oh, that's a um, priest. Yeah. Which is just, just really amazing. So I just that's just something that stuck out to me mm -hmm. as this kind of like... That's inspiring, he's yeah. Just a, likable person who really liked people and cares about them and is patient with them. And um, he can be your heavenly friend too. We that's can, right. We can be in friendship that's with right. saints.
Uh, and you will want to be his heavenly friend even more when you find out his awesome miracles to do with animals. Ready. Which is another thing that really stuck out <laughs> to me. Uh, my, fa- my absolute, this is one of my absolute favorite miracle stories of all time Whew. from Penny Cuthbert. I'm ready. Okay, so Cuthbert is at a convent preaching a mission, you know, because he Naturally. got asked to come talk yep. to the nuns. So he's there giving them sort of holy encouragement, but he still needs his quiet prayer time with the mm-hmm. Lord. So he's sneaking out of the monastery in the middle of the night to pray, mm. and one of his other brothers who's with him there on the mission like notices Cuthbert's missing in the middle of the night, and he's mm-hmm. like, where is this guy going? So he follows him, and he finds that Cuthbert is wading out into the sea, you know, this is the north of England, very cold, very cold, and praying there for hours. And then when he gets out of the sea, otters, sea otters, come out of the sea to warm <laughs> his feet and dry him off. And rereading the miracle story today, it actually says the, the otters attempted to dry him off which makes me think that like <laughs> it was they, a failed it wasn't very venture. good it was kind of like a failed attempt but like the otters were it's not the otters fault they tried homage and i just think this is like that's so, so delightfully <laughs> english and just awesome so there are i have seen at least one stained glass window in north umbria that depicts cuthbert with otters. no way so so there's that one and there's also um a whole bunch of miracle stories involving him with birds. Okay. And there is actually a species of duck named after St. Cuthbert, the Cuddy Duck. Sweet. Uh, and so there's a number of ones uh, with birds. Mostly it's like birds kind of like acting naughty and then Cuthbert like reproaching them. So <laughs> he's so he's on his hermitage. So after he's prior for a while, he gets permission to go out to a further island, even further from Lindisfarne, to live like the truly hermetical life. So he builds this like, you know, shambly hermitage. Yeah. And he decides after a couple years of that that like he shouldn't depend on the brothers of the monastery to bring him food. He should grow his own food. Okay. So he tries to plant wheat. That doesn't work. So he tries to plant barley. Uh, it goes great. But the birds start coming and like eating his barley. And yeah. he says to them like, okay, well, maybe you need the food more than I do. So if God lets you have the food, that's fine. But otherwise, like keep your hands off my barley. Yeah. And so the birds <laughs> apparently obey him and they flee. Uh, and another time some nasty crows are like stealing hay out of like the roof of his guest's house uh, and to build their nest. And he like chastises them and they come and like, like bow before him and like do. That's awesome. He's like. Bird penance. St. Francis before St. Francis. Yeah, but he doesn't preach the birds. He, he chastises yeah, the birds. Yeah, it's even better. <laughs> Tells the birds That's who's boss. That's awesome. So those Instead are... Instead of a wolf, it's an otter. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's like very enculturated, which is, yeah. I don't know, just delightful to my mind. So um, there's... <laughs> Bede makes a comment that it, there's nothing more natural than for those, like, those people who are truly dedicated to our creator, that creation should obey them. Listen to them, Because yeah. they know they can't get away with anything when you're so aligned with the creator. That's great. Uh, and so another example of this is that his little hermitage island, like the seas around it seem to kind of like flow according to Cuthbert's will, or if people disobey him, they like can't get to his island or can't get off his island. Uh, and uh. my favorite example of this is he asks some of the monks from Lindisfarne to bring him out beams of a certain size so he can like repair something or yeah. build something on his island and they come out and they forget. Uh, and he's like, don't worry about it. The Lord will provide. And then the sea like throws up Tosses beams, some beams that are of the right size. Uh, and that's when he he makes a comment about like you know even even the winds and seas obey him. It's yep. kind of a Christ yes uh, Christ, a Christ figure, figure yep. but um, <clears throat> but in an English setting, which I thought was was that's really awesome. Cool. So, what can we from our delightful friend Saint Cuthbert? What what are some things that we can learn from him uh, that can inspire our spiritual lives today? Yeah, I think the story that we are t- uh, talking about, both with him being a kind of a good confessor and also him being a kind of persistent friend to his mm-hmm. monks and accompanying them. I think that that's yes. just, it's just a very important lesson. It's like, 
it's difficult for people to change. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of people in our lives that we want to guide them on the right path. We mm -hmm. want them to change this about the way that they're behaving or that. It may be people we have direct authority over. Like we're talking about someone who's the prior and the bishop. Like yeah. his monk should do what he says. Yep. Uh, even more so than parents and children. But yep. these are real people. Uh, and, they're, and they're real people who actually are trying their best. Mm -hmm. And so for him to be just so patient and so winning and so charming towards mm -hmm. them persistently and to win them over um, is really wonderful. There are other figures of this period who had a lot more difficult time with the sort of Roman imposition of certain church laws yeah. on their their ancient faith. And Cuthbert, um, he just, it just seems to be seamless mm -hmm. uh, in his community because of his sort of persistence and cheerfulness. And it actually reminds me a little bit of the little flower, you know, yeah. of like, just being persistently pleasant to people yeah, who you don't actually small ways, yeah. like or that aren't doing what they ought to do uh, and to sort of go out of your way to be pleasant. And, and another way that he does this is he's just he's just very present. Yeah. So one story is just the fact that even though he's sort of prior and then bishop and he's like really busy and spends a lot of time in prayer is that he like walks around the island and talks to all the monks. Hmm. So he just likes to like, walk yeah. around and see what everyone's doing people. and just yeah. be with people. And, you know, sometimes we want like o obedience without commitment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we want people to do what we say, but we don't necessarily want to take the time to be like, Hey, how was your day? And actually mm -hmm. like, listen, and really and, listen. Yeah. You know, just check up on them and be really invested in what they're doing because mm -hmm. then they know that his, his hope, his attempt to change is really coming out of a place of love and of yep. uh, wanting to govern well. So I think that's just one very relatable thing about Cuthbert. Yeah. Um, I think another thing is that um, Cuthbert has a lot of sort of changes of responsibilities, you know, okay. from being sort of lowly monk where he's mm -hmm. praying to prior to being a hermit for many years. And he, after his election of bishop, doesn't not want to leave his island. Actually, the king and the current another current bishop have to come out to his far off island. They arrive on a boat and like prostrate themselves before him and say, like, you've been elected bishop, you have to come. Uh, and so that there are very few saints who have like this, this kind of like perfect story of like, well, I wanted to do this and then I did it and then I died and went to heaven. Like, yeah. It's often a very circuitous path. He's, yep. he's, he's away from Linda's farm for a bit and he's a monk in a kind of um, satellite community that gets mm -hmm. taken from them for some reason. And then he's back at mm. Linda's farm. He spends a lot of time preaching, but then also hermiting. Yeah. So I think it's just an openness to being at different stages of our lives and how holiness is going to look in those yeah. different stages, but also having that confidence that God knows our heart's desire to be yep. with him. Um, and Cuthbert really has that confidence as bishop. He says he says with great confidence that, like, God will permit me to die on this island. Mm. And so though, even though he's bishop, he is able to go out and spend the last couple of his months mm. of his life as a hermit, which is his true desire, yeah. uh, and to spend that time with God. And there's a storm that prevents anybody from bothering him for five days of while he prepares himself for death. Uh, and so I think that's that's kind of a... He should be the patron thing. saint of weather. I feel like it's St. Scholastica because <laughs> she calls down the, the thunderstorm. But this Cuthbert yeah, might, I mean, the, might take the it. The seas, maybe this, some sailors could maybe the benefit seas. from Cuthbert. But yeah, I feel like uh, I, 
I like your point a lot about how his responsibilities were changing and that that's a, just a general feature of life, that things are always changing and that we discover in those changes, there's always areas in which like you can feel your heart trying to stretch and you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, <laughs> like this hurts. Uh, but yeah, just a willingness to trust in God in every new situation that we find, whether that's be a new job or a lost job or children or like whatever it may be. That, that God is always going to take care of us and that everything he is doing in our hearts is for the sake of us being more close to him or can be mm-hmm. if we're willing to participate. But he is a good example of that. Yeah. Do we know anything about his death? Uh, yeah. So they, they have the story of his death. Actually, when Bede um, writes about his death, um, he, he says he's including something written in the hand of somebody who actually was there for Cuthbert's death. So there's a couple, if you know, you go out and get so excited about Cuthbert, you buy the life of Bede. I saw uh, it, and you, there was a note that this is now a national park. You can go there. Yeah, you can also go to Lindisfarne. Sweet. So the national park. Pilgrimage. Um, but they, yeah, there's a little volume called The Age of Bede that includes, it's a penguin volume, so it's not super expensive. Then it contains this life. So they set it off in smaller types so that you know Bede is saying this is uh, kind of directly from him. So... Uh, he's able to go to his island because he tells them, like, he can feel that his death is approaching. Mm-hmm. And so he goes out onto the island and the storm comes up for five days to prevent, because they beg to stay with him. And he says, no, mm-hmm. he really wants to be sort of alone with the Lord to prepare himself. So then as soon as the storm lets up, they go out to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says that he's been struggling with the worst possible illness that he could imagine for five days and he hasn't moved from his chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the monk is like, well, like, we, why did you, we, we really wanted to be there for yeah. you. Like, we should have been ministering to you. And, and he says, like, no, this is what, this is what mm. God wanted for me to, like, go to him prepared with this, like, final struggle. And so he's, like, very grateful to God uh, that he's able to have this kind of last trial mm-hmm. um, to kind of as he sees purifying himself. Um, yeah, and then he, he tells the brothers, like, not, like, just bury me on the island, don't bring me back, because if you bring me back, everyone from all over is going to come and like, they're going to want to visit my body mm. and it's going to be like a nuisance to the monastery. Uh, because like I have this big reputation. So you just like, leave me out here. And they, mm-hmm. they, they beg him not, not for that not to be. And he finally acquiesces, which is another example. I think of him mm-hmm. really, really open to Providence. Yeah. Um, where he doesn't insist on his own will. Uh, and so, yeah, then he, he, he dies, uh, with, you know, one of his brothers there, uh, and then they take him back, uh, and bury him. And then I told the story about them exhuming the body a year later. Yep. So. Awesome. That was great. Thank you, Dr. Klein. Hopefully we're spreading some devotion to Thanks. the great... Thanks. you all love St. Cuthbert. St. Like Cuthbert. Do. Yes. So he was wonderful. Thank you very much, everyone. And we will see you next time on Catholic Saints. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press, with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, eBooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.